Hey, everybody. Hey, we love to say welcome home around here. So uh, no matter where you're joining from today, uh, I want to say welcome, whether at one of the campuses uh, at Aberdeen, Abington, Edgewood, or Mountain Road, or maybe you're joining online. Uh, I hope that when you're at a gathering at Mountain that you just know and you feel that you're at home. Hey, we're in this series right now called Hope Rising. We're talking about hope around here. And when you hear that word hope, what does it do inside of you? For me, it does two things. Okay, first, uh, there's this sense of anticipation. Like, my heart just leaps a little bit. There's a spark of excitement because I know what hope is. I've had it before, and I want some more of it. And then at the same time, I realize... I haven't been living like I've had a lot of hope for the last while. I was telling a friend this recently, that it's been hard to have hope the last couple of years. And they said, well, you know, it could be worse. You could be stuck in a, a deep water-filled hole in the ground. I know they meant well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, times are really tough right now. Things are changing in the world all the time. Uh, Things are changing. You know, you used to be able to go get air for your tires at the gas station for free. But now it costs 75 cents. That's inflation for you. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, it's, it's good to start off and just laugh a little bit tonight. Hey, uh, Ben asked us a question last week. How high is your hope rising? Or how strong is your hope? How strong is your hope? Uh, maybe you've been through some hard times. Or, or maybe you've experienced disappointment or loss or loneliness. Maybe you face trauma or grief. And if that's you, you're not alone. You're not alone. A lot of us have felt those things. We've been through some hard times, but hope never left because hope has a name and it's Jesus. And in Jesus, that hope is unshakable. Hey, take a moment and think about the people in your life right now. How high is their hope rising? Your family, your friends, your coworkers, that person at the gym who just seems to be there at the same time as you every day, do they have hope in their lives? Do they know that that hope comes from Jesus? Hey, I want to tell you something about this Jesus hope. Did, did you hear? It, it started overseas. And, uh, and then it started spreading a few thousand years ago. And then really on one day, like 3,000 people got it. It was, it was amazing. And then it's been spreading all over the world ever since. And in places where times are really hard and people don't have much to hold on to, it just spreads like wildfire. And it can spread anywhere where hearts are exposed I'm not trying to make light of the world we're living in now, but the point of this is this, that Jesus, Jesus, and his hope, it's something that you can't keep to yourself. You get to be a hope dealer. You get to be an agent of hope in this world. 
A few weeks ago over at the Abingdon campus, we were talking about Missions of Hope International. Uh, some of our friends in, in Kenya who we partner with to do a lot of great work. And Tim, our production director over at Abingdon, uh, said about Missions of Hope, he said that they were causing a lot of hope in Nairobi. And I love it, right? Because it just so perfectly describes the work that they do. And usually when you hear the phrase causing a lot of, what's the next word? So just shout it out. What's the next word you hear? Causing a lot of Trouble, trouble. That's like the phrase that you hear all the time. People are causing a lot of trouble. But to hear somebody say they were causing a lot of hope. I love it. It's like my new favorite phrase. Uh, And it's my favorite because it should describe what it looks like to follow Christ. Someone who causes a lot of hope everywhere they go, introducing people to that unshakable hope that's in Jesus. So are you the kind of person who causes a lot of hope? You know, we can cause a lot of hope by praying for people. I've heard people say that they're intimidated to pray, or they're scared to pray, or they don't know how to pray, or, you know, I think a lot of us make prayer a lot harder than it has to be. I've heard prayer described as this. It's a conversation between you and God, and I like that. That sounds like something that we can all do, and I've found this to be true, that there is power in prayer. There's power in prayer. I mean, it's a connection with the Almighty, and when we pray, we're admitting that we don't have control over everything ourselves as much as we try, and when we pray, we're saying, hey, we don't have all the answers but we know who does. And when we pray, God hears us. There's some great promises in scripture about prayer, like this one in 1 John 5. It says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God delights in your prayers, and he wants to hear your voice. And some people will say almost apologetically when they talk about about prayer, they'll they'll say this when they're in a difficult situation. They'll say, well, all we can do is pray. As if prayer was some pathetic substitute for real action. Hey, there is power in prayer. And it's not a last resort and it's not a consolation. It's the most significant thing that we can do. And I know this, that prayer changes things And prayer changes me. Prayer changes things, and prayer changes me. And so today, we want to talk about about praying for people that are in our lives. Praying that God would change things in the lives of people that we know. Specifically, that they would come to know Jesus. And if you're at one of the campuses today, uh, you might notice that index card that's sitting on your seat. And I want you to start thinking about the names of three people who you're going to pray for that need Jesus in their lives. Now, you don't have to write those names down yet, but I want you to hold on to that card. Uh, We're going to do that a little bit later on, but maybe a name will come to mind. And and if you're watching online, just just go grab a piece of paper, like an old receipt or a Christmas card. Anything will do, really, okay? Just grab something that you can write on. It doesn't matter. If you were around Mountain this last year, maybe you remember a series we did called Bless, B-L-E-S-S. And it was all about being a blessing to the world around us. And the biggest blessing that you can give to someone is to introduce them to Jesus. And the first week in that series, the B in Bless was begin with prayer. And so if you want to make a difference in someone's life, you can start by praying for them. 
And Jesus, Jesus was going around causing a lot of hope when he walked the earth. He rounded up these 12 dudes and they went around just blessing people everywhere they went. He taught people how to know God. He performed miracles. He, he healed people of diseases. He provided food for hungry people. He caused some controversy with the religious elite. Uh, um, he was a friend to the unlikely. He taught people how to pray and he gave like an example prayer that people have been using ever since. And there's this time that's recorded in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus is out with his disciples and he sees a whole bunch of people who need help. A whole bunch of people who need hope. And this is what scripture says. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers to the harvest field. When Jesus looked at people, he had compassion on them. And he could have compassion on them because when he looked at him, he didn't just see the crowd. He saw each individual person and he saw the need in their life. He saw their pain. He saw the things that they were going through. He could see who needed help and who needed healing. When you look around at the people in your life, what do you see? Do, do you just see the carefully curated image that everyone creates and puts online where, where everything's fine and everything's good in everybody's life? Or do you see people the way Jesus did? You see who they are and you can see the places in their life that need a touch from the Lord. Do you see those places where they need that Jesus hope? Hey, the harvest is plentiful. And that means that there's a whole bunch of people that need to know that unshakable hope. It was true back when Jesus was walking the earth, and it's true today. And I bet the harvest is plentiful in your life. Maybe there's people that live in your house that need to know the hope of Jesus. Maybe there's people in your school or in the cubicle next to you that you can bring before the Lord of the harvest. Hey, the harvest is plentiful. That's why Jesus said before he returned to heaven, uh, he sent his followers out on a mission. He said this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, obey everything that I've commanded you. We summarize those verses around here at Mountain when we say that we're all about making disciples, more and better disciples. It's at the core <coughs> of who we are as a church, bringing people to Jesus. It's actually at the core of the church worldwide. It's the mission of God's people. You know, part of going to all the nations, like that verse says, is taking that first step right outside of your front door. Getting to know the people that are the closest to you. Can the people that live on your street, 
Can they see that you have that Jesus hope? I mean, do they know the hope that's available to them? I mean, do they even know your name? Do you know their name? In that blessed series that we did uh, earlier this year, we were challenged to get to know the five people that live the closest to us. Can you name the people that live on your street? Do you know their struggles? Can you pray for them by name? There was a time when Jesus was teaching in a crowded house. And people had come from all over to hear him. I mean, a few guys came carrying their friend who was paralyzed to see Jesus. And they wanted to get close, but they couldn't even get close because everybody wanted to see who's in there causing all this hope. These guys were so desperate to get their friend to see Jesus that they went up on the roof of the house and they cut a hole and they lowered the paralyzed man down right in front of where Jesus was teaching. And sometimes we don't know what to do to help the people that we care about. But we know that if we could just get them to the feet of Jesus that Jesus knows what to do and he could change things in their life. In that story, it's in Luke 5, Jesus says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And, And then a few moments later, Jesus tells the man to get up and walk, to pick up his mat and walk home, and he does. Jesus saw that there was a physical need But first, Jesus recognized the spiritual need that we all have to be forgiven. Jesus saw the faith of those friends. And when you bring someone before the Lord in prayer, he's listening. Oh, he's listening. You know, I don't think that anyone comes to the Lord without somebody praying for him. If you know Jesus today, I bet that somewhere along the line, somebody was praying for you. I don't know what your story is. Maybe your story is that you grew up in a family that loved the Lord and you had parents or grandparents that were praying for you even before you were born while you were in your mother's womb. Or maybe your story is that uh, you had a hard, a hard circumstance in your life. Maybe you hit rock bottom and you came to the Lord and, and, and you know that, uh, uh, that people were praying for you. Hey, if if that's your story, I want you to know this, that there's people in this church that are praying all the time for people in this community who are going through all sorts of trouble, who are going through all sorts of heartache. And there are faithful people in churches all over the world that dedicate their lives to pray for the hurting and the sick and the poor and the oppressed and the marginalized. And if you're hearing this message right now, I want you to know this. There are people praying for you. A few years ago, my friends uh, Jim and Karen uh, had something really cool happen. They're part of Mountain. Uh, This is Jim and Karen here. And uh, they're members at the Arena Club. And they're just the kind of people who are friends with everybody. 
you know? Uh, and so it was no surprise when they became close friends with one of their instructors at the arena club, Nikki. And so uh, as they got to know Nikki, their relationship grew, and they could see that Nikki uh, needed something, that she needed something to cause some hope in her life. So Karen started praying for Nikki, praying that God would open the door for conversations to happen where they could talk about Jesus, talk about the difference that Jesus has made in their lives. And not long after they started praying for Nikki, Karen offered an invitation to join them at church one Sunday. And because Nikki was friends with them, she trusted them, she said, sure, I'll come with you. And she started coming to services, sitting on the front row with Jim and Karen. So Jim and Karen are front row people. And I want to tell you this, there is a lot of accountability for front row people. Because uh, front row people, I mean, if you fall asleep, somebody's going to know, okay? Yeah. So they sat on the front row. But she started coming to services and she started to see the places in her life where she needed to hear those words from Jesus that he said to that paralyzed man where, where he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And she started to experience the beauty of the body of Christ. And she started to, to see that, that she needed that hope. And, and all this led to a beautiful moment in August of 2019 where Nikki was baptized by Karen in the Gunpowder River at a baptism splash. And I tell you what, it was a party. I mean, all of heaven was celebrating. All of us standing on the banks of that river that day were celebrating. And guess what? The story doesn't end there. It keeps going. It gets better. Like, how could it get better? It does. Okay? You know what disciples do? Disciples make more disciples. Sometimes we like to say around here, what's the fruit of an apple tree? It's another apple tree. It's not just an apple. It's that that apple would grow into another apple tree. And, and so as soon as Nikki came out of that water at her baptism, she was able to baptize her daughter. And Nikki was infected with this Jesus hope. And so she goes back to work at the arena club. And she's just spreading hope everywhere she goes. She's causing hope all over the place. And Nikki trains another couple at the arena club, Rob and Ginger. Okay, Rob and Ginger were going to the club to get in shape to work on their health. Nikki saw their physical need, but she also saw their spiritual need. And so she invited them to church and Rob and Ginger start coming around to services. And before long, they catch that hope thing that's going around and they, start, they get involved in serving and you could just see their lives changing. And Rob and Ginger are serving over at the Aberdeen campus today. And Nikki is leading worship on the worship team at Aberdeen, helping people into the throne room of God. How cool is that? Yeah. This is what Nikki told me this week. She said this. My life changed drastically that day. I had no idea where it was going. I just kept following God's nudges, stuff he put on my heart. I learned how to hear him. Becoming a part of mountains saved my life. I was really quite lost. Dealing with so much pain and regret before I started attending church at Bel Air. I'm grateful every day for Karen and her gentle coaxing. It's become more than church for me. I have this amazing worship family at Aberdeen, and I've learned the importance of a daily prayer life and how vital staying connected is. God used mountain to open this door. 
He restored things in my life that I believed were impossible. And I now have a daily walk with Jesus. He's in every aspect of my life. From the moment my eyes open in the morning until I go to sleep, he's included in all my decisions of all my life, big and small. And it sounds poetic, but it really is my truth. And I feel beyond, blessed beyond measure, even on the bad days. And I hope that our story somehow touches someone so they can also join his kingdom. Wow. And that beautiful story happened because a couple people started praying to the Lord of the harvest for their friend, and then God used them to start answering that prayer. And I have a feeling that that story's not over yet. I have a feeling that there's going to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Hey, there is power in prayer. And if you ask Nikki, you know what she would say? She would say, prayer changes things, and prayer changes me. Paul was one of the early Christians, and uh, he wrote a whole bunch of books of the Bible. He was another guy who went around causing hope all over the place. And Paul wrote letters to the churches and to his friends. And when he wrote letters, he would weave prayers into everything that he wrote. And he prayed for the churches that, and the people that he cared about that they would be filled with joy. Even in the middle of difficult circumstances, that they would have peace and that they would trust in God that God would give them wisdom and spiritual gifts to serve in the church. Paul also prayed for the salvation of people who didn't know Jesus in their lives. One of those prayers is recorded in the first, first chapter of Ephesians. It says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Maybe that's a prayer you can start praying for the people in your life. You know, to do that probably means that you need to start opening your eyes to the people around you. Maybe not to just see the crowd, but to really see people. To see the friend who needs to be carried to the foot of Jesus to receive a touch from the Lord. And when you're aware of that friend, you can pray, just like that verse says, that the eyes of their heart would be opened and that they would have hope. Uh, who do you know that your heart just breaks for? Who do you know that you would do anything to get them to the foot of Jesus, that you would bust through the crowd, you would cut a hole in the roof to get them to the foot of Jesus? You might be thinking right now, man, I've been praying for somebody for years. I mean, is God hearing my prayer? Does, does, God, does God hear my prayers? Does God really answer my prayers? How do I know God answers prayers? Well, I can tell you confidently that God hears your prayers and God answers prayers. I'll tell you this, God doesn't always answer prayers the way we anticipate. Sometimes it takes some time. And sometimes it looks a lot different than we thought. But I've seen God change things when I pray. And I've seen God change me when I pray to make me more kind and more patient and more loving. Back in 2015, our uh, family adopted our daughter, Favor, 
Here's a picture of my family. Yeah, I love that picture. The favor's from Uganda, and it was a long process. And, and we have been praying and working on that adoption for three years. And we were able to adopt favor when she was one year old. So that means that for two years before she was even born, we were praying for her and the way that God was leading our family in that process. And there were times in those three years when we would ask the questions like, God, how long do we have to keep praying? Well, God answered our prayer in 2015, and we went to Uganda, and we spent about three months there in the process of bringing our daughter home. You know, I don't think anything could have prepared me for what we experienced when we got to the orphanage there. We were overjoyed. And we were overjoyed and tearful as we got to meet our daughter and hold her for the first time. But then the next few weeks brought a lot of waiting, waiting on papers, waiting on appointments. And so I spent a lot of those days at the orphanage playing with kids who had nothing, no family. And a lot of those kids, I tell you what, they had some joy. They had the joy of the Lord, and they would play and sing and dance with me, and it was so much fun. But then there were some kids who just didn't have any hope, and you could just see it on their face. And my heart broke for those kids. I would do anything to get them in front of Jesus. There was one infant in particular that stuck out to me. He didn't cry like you would expect. And often he was just laid someplace in the orphanage like on a pile of laundry. I don't know if we got this picture here. And I could feel a nudge to go pick up that precious little boy. And lots of days I'd pick him up and I'd just hold him. And, and I'd pray for him. And I didn't know what to do to help him, but I knew that if I could just get him in front of Jesus... I prayed for his health because he didn't look very healthy. I prayed for his joy because I never saw one of those baby smiles on his face. I prayed for his salvation that he would, he would know Jesus. And I prayed for a family that would adopt him, that would love him and care for him and show him Jesus. And then we came home. We came home with our daughter as a family of five. You know, there's something in me that keeps me praying for those kids in Uganda even today. Several months later, Luke and Holly Erickson were in the same process of adopting, and they had chosen Uganda to adopt two boys from. And now in the adoption process, the agency matches families with children. And, and so somehow... Luke and Holly got matched at the same orphanage that we were at. So we got together for dinner with them to celebrate uh, that they were matched, and we wanted to hear their plans for traveling. And when it came time for them to get the pictures out to show us their two boys, I instantly recognized Trey. I knew that face. I mean, it had been eight or nine months since I'd seen them, and, and babies change a lot. You know, they change fast. But I knew that face, 
And I knew those eyes because I had looked into those eyes as I held him and prayed for him. And I couldn't hold back the tears. And even today, I can't hold back the tears because I've seen the power of prayer. And I've seen that prayer changes things and it changes me. It's pretty amazing to see how prayer has changed things in Trey's life. This is Trey today. It's pretty amazing. You know, we, uh, we might need to be praying for Trey some more with that Ravens jersey on. <laughs> so, hey, there is power in prayer. There's power in prayer, and you have access to that power. You have access to that power to intercede on behalf of the people you know that need some hope. So, hey, pick up that index card that you've got right there with you. Pick up that card. And I want you to think about the names of three people that you want to pray for, that you want to invite into relationship with Jesus, and, and that you want to invite to a service here in the next few months so that they can meet Jesus. Hey, you know what? Praying for them, it could change everything. Maybe it's somebody who's lonely and, you know, they can become part of a family, part of a church family who loves them. Maybe it's someone who's sick. You can bring them before the great physician right now who created them, who knew them when they were in their mother's womb. Uh, maybe it's someone who feels like they messed up so bad that they can't ever get anything right. Uh, but you can help them know this, that Jesus is making all things new, including them. And maybe right now you're hearing this and you're thinking, man, this Jesus hope, that sounds really good. That sounds like something I need in my life. And maybe you want to write your own name on that card tonight. And if that's you, if you want to write your name on that card and you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time and get baptized, you can do that. Go see one of the prayer partners at any of the campuses at the end of the service. You can do that. You can say yes to Jesus. And I want to give you about 30 seconds here to think about the names of three people that you just care about so much that you would do anything to get them in front of Jesus. And you want to invite them to a service sometime between now and Easter so that they can see Jesus. Do this. Take that card. Hey, let's do this real quick. Everybody take your card and hold it up and tear it in half because I want you to write the names on both halves of that card, okay? Ready? Hold your card up. Everybody got one? Here, I'm going to do it too. Ready? Let's all do the tearing sound together. One, two, three. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Mine didn't tear very nicely. But uh, hey, I got two halves here. I'm going to write some names down of three people. And I'm going to give you a couple seconds to do the same thing too. Let's write the names of some people down. Why don't you go ahead and lift those cards up now. Let's lift them up to the Lord. I want you to think about the stories you heard tonight. Kirk and Amanda praying. Holly and Luke praying. Jim and Kathy praying.
And then you've got some names on some cards. Maybe it's family or friends, neighbors, co-workers, people. I'm here to tell you that prayer works. And when you're praying about these invitations between now and Easter, I want you to reflect on these stories. And I want you to think about the invitation that maybe someone gave to you and invited you to a weekend service. It was 23 years ago, almost to the month, that people had been praying for me and someone invited me to come to Mountain. And now 23 years later, I get to stand before you and speak about the power of prayer and invitation. So don't miss this moment. Don't miss this moment. Lift these cards to the Lord as we get ready to close in prayer. And God loves to hear those prayers. And your prayers are precious to God. Scripture says our prayers are a delight to God. They're a delight to God. They're like a pleasing incense to him. Hey, there's this image in Revelation 5. It's an image of the throne room in heaven before God. And all, of, all creatures in the throne room are bowing down before God. And they're saying, worthy is the lamb who is slain. And they're, and they're saying this, to him who sits on the throne, be praise and glory and honor and power forever and ever. And listen to this. Listen to this, Revelation 5.8. The 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. The prayers of God's people. You guys, your prayers are so precious to God that your prayers are before God as an act of worship in the throne room of heaven. In the very throne room of heaven, from now and for all eternity, your prayers are in front of God. And if you ever wonder, if you ever wonder if there's power in prayer, there is power in prayer. Does God hear your prayers? Yeah. Yeah, God hears your prayers. And he cares about your prayers so much that they are held before him in the throne room of heaven. Hey, Rob's name. Rob's name is in a bowl in the throne room of heaven before God right now because somebody prayed for him. My name is in the throne room of heaven because somebody prayed for me a long time ago. And today you have the opportunity to put the names of three people before the Lord in the throne room of heaven. In those golden bowls that the elders are holding our prayers of an incense before the Lord. And you get to do that today. And there's some bowls on your way out by the doors at the end of the service. And I want you to take one of these cards, half of that card, and I want you to drop it in that bowl as a way of symbolically letting your prayers rise up to the very throne room of God. And then I want you to take the other one and hold on to it. And I want you to think about those people and pray about those people every day from now until Easter. So for the next several weeks, we want to pray together for people who need Jesus, people who need some hope rising mm. in their lives. Hey, we've talked a lot about prayer for the, next, for the last little while, and I think it's time to pray right now. So let's pray. God, thank you for hearing us. I, I am so grateful that my prayers are heard by you. God, and I pray right now, I pray that every person listening to this would be filled with hope, and God, I pray for the names that we have written down, that the eyes of their hearts will be open and that they would have hope.
the hope that comes through Jesus, an unshakable hope. And God, we ask that you would give us opportunities to share about the life-changing love of Christ. God, use us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.